Since its beginning in popularity in the early 2000s, shows like Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, and Haunted America has really captured the minds of your average American audience and across seas. The one thing that they all have in common is these were all professional and scripted paranormal investigation teams. None of these shows ever once explored what it was like to form the team, to learn from the beginning the basics and the broad strokes of everything involved with ghost hunting. It caused a craze, but taught us nothing. Today, we're going to be joined by Penhurst Paranormal to really talk about the basics and broad strokes. Welcome back to the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole, everybody. My name is Jeremy. I'm your host. Today, I have my buddy CJ, and we're going to give you kind of a little bit of a bonus episode today. We're going to dive into the world of the Penhurst Asylum and the investigation team that takes care of all the paranormal investigations there. Heather and Evan join us today, and they're going to kind of give us a little bit of an introduction into what they do, who they are, how they got there, and, you know, just kind of have a little chat with us and uh shoot the shit i guess is the best way to say it right well so before we introduce them i want to just uh hand it over to cj and let cj have a word with you guys cj how you doing man uh you know i'm doing it it's kind of been a week for me um but other than that we're doing all right cool cool man and you know them personally don't you i i I like to claim that yes Okay, good, good. Um, well, I just want to say before we get going to thank you, CJ, for setting this up for us. This is uh, really exciting. You know, I have a background in cryptozoology, urban legends, and mythology, uh, and I haven't really been able to dive into the paranormal world, into the spirits or the ghosts uh, too much. And I'm, I'm really excited to kind of dive in. It seems that we have a really good uh, group here that with a lot of knowledge in a very very spooky and historical place um cj do you have any ties to penhurst asylum itself um me personally i did a little film work for them when they first opened and i've been there a second time for reasons i can't remember and then i was there for actually heather and evan's wedding so Ooh. I'm not going to go ahead and hold off for too long. Like I said, this is a bonus episode, so we're going to jump right into the, all the good stuff. So uh, it is my pleasure to welcome Heather and Evan to the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, so you guys are a, a you guys are a paranormal investigation team that's uh, like officially with Penhurst Asylum. Um, vaguely, um, we are actors with their haunted house Um, we have been doing that for the past few years and over the last couple years we have delved into the paranormal side as well um, because of how well we know the property and how well the spirits there have gotten to know us while we are not a a team on our own we are to the larger team. Right. We are part of the larger team. That's and, a great video. And we, you know, we are invested in the history, the um, the museum that we try to actually, we're just this week, we're going to get more artifacts. Um, you know, we're really into preserving the history 
as well as promoting the future of Pennhurst. So while we're on the topic of history, just to kind of feed everybody a little bit more information, um, now, through my own research in the past, I've, uh, I came across Penhurst Asylum once or twice, and I learned that it was both a school and an asylum, mm-hmm. and that even the uh, patients that were there were referred to as children, no matter what their age was. Is that correct? Um, I can speak on the school and the asylum thing. Um, it was considered what it, its actual name was the Penhurst State School and Hospital for the epileptic and, and feeble-minded. feeble-minded. Yes. Um, they, they definitely did stay away from the term asylum. Um, and, and that's one thing we try to, while we use it for the haunted attraction variable, with the actual history, we, we try to stay away from it because it is um, a rather unloved it's a slippery slope yeah, right um it, it's 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 very much a we want to not only entertain people during the haunt season but we want to educate people because really what it was you know and, were, and respect the exactly yeah. and respect because it truly was it was a hospital primarily for children you know epileptic add adhd all these things that are commonplace nowadays that we don't think anything of back when it opened in the turn of the century it was a very different world yeah Mm. um so i I, we can speak on that the whole um uh i'm sorry what was the second oh it was uh i I can't remember. It was a long time ago when I came across this. Uh, I actually had to dive into some really old notes for a project from way long ago. Uh, but I had something written down about the patients there being called children, no matter what their age okay. was. Um, that I cannot and will not speak on. I do okay. not know. Residents there, unfortunately, were primarily children. Right. It, it was the the... Majority of the population, unfortunately, was young children. Well, and children was also a different term back then, too. You know, early to mid-20s was a child. Um, whereas now we know, or we think, child is 18 and less. You know, back then, it was anybody of a feeble-minded attitude was child. Um, so, like I said, you... You very well could be correct on that, and and whatever research you got is right. I I don't know for a fact. Um, Understood. Let's see. I'm just going through my notes here. I'm I'm seeing a Dr. Jesse Fear. I see that he's kind of the the central hub uh, for a lot of the patients here. Do you guys have any information on him? Well, we do have access to some of the history. Um, as employees and whatnot, there there's a lot of folklore versus reality, and and that's the biggest juggernaut that we face um, in trying to educate people. Um, so it's unless we have the actual facts of specific employees, and even then, we're so respectful of HIPAA violations, etc. Right. Um, so, uh, there, now you said 
the name Jesse Fear? Yes, Dr. Fear. So um, one thing I will say, I, I can only speak on any transcripts I've seen, um, any stories I've heard. One thing I will say is Fear is not his name. It was a um, sort of a euphemism, sort of a uh, metaphorical name. Jesse, though, is correct. I have seen paperwork um, that I have been told and believe to be true to the Penhurst property history. Um, and, and he was one of the lead doctors. Uh, like I said, I, I can't say anything on the last name Fear. I believe that is a uh, kind of made-up term for him. Um, yeah, to spice it up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> right. I hear you. But he, he was one of those, and um, if, if I can say this prior to anything going forward, there were many doctors, many dentists, many nurses on the property of Penhurst who were trying to do really, really good things. Um, a big issue wasn't the doctors and, and the employees who were trying to funding. be wrong. It was the funding. Right. Um, and he was one of those who he tried to properly care for patients and was not able to um and so obviously that can cause an entire stigma cause a culture um but yeah that's it, it, it i can't speak too much on him because all i can read off of is all i can read off of is transcripts and what i've heard it, it's very, it, it's so mis, uh, miscommunicated. Okay. I, I get that. So tell me, uh, do you guys have any personal stories there that are just kind of, that jump out and that you would like to share with the, the listener base? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I certainly have had a variety of things, uh, with, with just myself and actually with, our daughter, um, who is three now, uh, myself, very much, very simple little things like uh, in the one attraction that's in our administration building in the basement, you know, walking down a hallway and very much like someone is behind you, no one's there kind of vibes. Um, temperature changes. I, um, in my paranormal uh, investigations, gosh, over the past three months, Specifically in Mayflower Basement um, is one of our most active zones on property, uh, for sure. Mayflower Building is known for that, but the basement especially. Um, we've both had very intense experiences. And most recently, just a few weeks ago, actually, in taking a group through, um, I, I'm very much wanting people to have, like, quiet time to do whatever investigations they have, especially if they have the equipment and the spirit boxes and the EMF readers, um, because quiet and peace is good. Walking uh, to one of the staircases that's on the side of the building that's not 
actively available for customers to go up and down, walked into that cove with two to three people um, at the at the base of the stairs. So we're not going up, um, but it's open to the investigation. And there was a very audible children, and you could hear the noises. And it was myself and two other people that were right there listening to everything. And it was just extremely intense um, hearing uh, people connect with people and watching uh, different things with the readers as far as contacting employees that might have been there. It's it's a really interesting spot and just the energy down there is pretty intense. Okay. So speaking of the, the Mayflower building, I have something here about a toy plane. Do you guys know anything about that? Specifically a Fisher price toy plane. It's white with red wings. Okay. Yes. Um, so there was, I'm trying to think the last time I was there, if the plane was there. Um, but there was that points. Uh, yes. And so we have a room in the Mayflower basement uh, that we refer to as the chalkboard room. It is the back room of the basement of the Mayflower building. Um, Mayflower building was a um, dormitory building as well as an office administration building. Um, and in the basement, uh, we have currently, uh, there's a back room with chalkboard and children's toys. Uh, we believe it's, it's where they did have sort of a rec time and rec area. Um, so I do know exactly what you're talking about with that plane. I don't believe it is still there. I have not seen it recently, but... Okay, Heather just said she believes it has been moved up to the third floor, but it is in that same building. Hmm. Yeah, I have something here about, uh, again, these notes are from a very long time ago. Um, something about people getting uh, strange feelings after they touch it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, and actually, that's something that has resonated to the chalkboard itself. Me, personally, I'm an individual, the best way to put myself, I, I am a uh, believable skeptic, I guess would be the best way to put me. I feel things, I see things, I have things where I go, okay, shit, you know, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is right there. But I also look at every possible outlet for the potential of electricity deficiency that happened in a building to cause whatever I saw or hear to happen. Um, I look at every other outlet. Um, down there, that basement, and that, like you said, the chalkboard especially, I have been around that. I've been around those toys. I've touched them. I've held them. And the feeling you get and the the spot that your mind goes is crazy. 
it's there there is a definite change I mean, yeah i mean even even going down to the basement even though you're in a basement and you can go in the tunnels at penhurst you can go in other basements the basement in mayflower is as soon as you get down there what it's a legitimate 10 to 15 degrees cooler than any other spot, albeit basement or not. At least, with the exception of Rockwell Tunnel. It, well, even Rockwell doesn't. There's there's areas, but on the whole, uh, Mayflower is a a very active. You're right. Place and and uh, energy that's very forthcoming and willing. Right. I think that's the biggest difference. Uh, you can definitely go on many places on the property where there's clearly a presence. But I feel like the Mayflower entities want to be heard, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've actually, that was the building that I highlighted in this research was the Mayflower building, which is awesome that you guys uh, are highlighting it for me, too. That's, that's some really good stuff. Uh, CJ, do you have anything before I get into some more questions? Yeah. So uh, the handful of times I've been there... Um, I, I always felt like, at least from the third story windows, yeah, like you're always being watched. Yes, and like you always want to look at the third story windows of this place. You, you guys experience that as well. If if I can, can I? you you go and so, I'll go. <laughs> if I start, um, I'm with you, and I uh, have felt that as well. Um, one thing I've come to realize and think about is no matter where I go, my brain, my eyes navigate to the top floors. So I do think that is a little bit of a mind trick. Um, personally, I don't think anybody can trust just going onto a property like Penhurst and being, oh man, third floor. Uh, but what I can say is I have, outside of that, outside of being on the catwalks and looking up into the windows, I've been in the buildings. I have been up to, I've been up all the way to the cupola in in the main building. I've been to the top floors and the roofs on many buildings, and there is something there. Usually, usually, and that's the biggest thing. Um, I think one uh, common misconception is that spirits have a spot, and while some do, most roam. And a floor is not always the best persona. It's it's just a part of it. That said. I will attest, and Evan can certainly vouch for this, there is a specific room on the third floor of Mayflower that I absolutely detest. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. I, I, um, I've been in it for every investigation that I've done. I've been in it for photo shoots. I don't even like walking down that direction by myself. Um, it is a very unsettling room, in my opinion. Um, it, 
it, it's just one of those things. Like the air is always heavy and musty, and it is a very off-putting feeling to me. Um, while I can definitely feel things in other places, it's one of the few places on property that I get a, hmm, I don't like this feeling. Um, so to the third floor, third floor effect, I, I can kind of attest to that. Um, okay. I, I feel like high and low tend to be the spots where things happen. And we have done a lot on the property, um, uh, within the past two to three years that has shifted everything. We've had a lot of um, things that we've had to do for the safety of patrons, um, for history tours and whatnot. So there, there have been uh, buildings that have come down. We're trying to make it safe so we can educate and keep what we can salvage open. Um, but in doing so, that certainly lends to a spiritual shuffle, if you will. There's There's many different places that are quieter than usual or more active than usual. So it's 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 an evolving mega, if you will. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I got one more then for you here uh, before we move on to the next topic. Um, and this is more of a personally uh, personal philosophical question. Um, and then we're going to allude uh, in the future. We're going to be doing an episode that deep dives into this topic. But I kind of want to bring up the nature of a haunting really quick, especially in a place like Penhurst, being as large as it is with the history it has um, of things such as child abuse and whatnot. Um, the idea behind what causes a haunting is kind of heavily debated throughout the paranormal community, and. You know, I've 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 two I have two things that I think causes a haunting me personally. I kind of want to get your guys' uh introspective on this. Um we have the physical uh spirit that was left behind after death for whatever reason, unfinished business, whatever you want to call it, right? And then you have uh the resonance, the energy resonance of a significant event going on that leaves an energetic imprint in the space that it took place in. And I kind of feel like we kind of touched on this a little bit both times where we talked about the plane, uh, you hearing all those children playing together at the top of those stairs. And then there's also the story of the little boy that follows people around in Penhurst, um, like tries to lead you away from the pack that you're with. And, you know, a, a, the thing is with uh, what really divides these two things is a resonance will repeat itself. Like it doesn't change where a spirit, like an actual ghost, will alter its behavior relative to what's going on. And it's, it's responsive to its surroundings, right? Um, I just kind of want to know, how do you guys feel about uh, that sort of thing? And have you experienced both kinds? Um, if not, do you think one of them is nonsense? Like, how do you, how do you feel about that idea? <laughs> wow. I, it, um, I just want to say first, before anything, the way you described it, um, for somebody who's been involved as long as I have, you described it perfectly, um, both sides. And that was just a beautiful way of describing it. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> thank um, you. <laughs> seriously. It, it, like, and really, and you'll hear more with, with uh, whatever I tell you, how just close and direct you are with it. Um, respectful. It, it, and, and 
like Heather said, it is truly, it is respectful. Um, there, there are things, um, and I know a lot of people are skeptics. I myself, I even still consider myself partially skeptic, even though I've, I've felt things, dealt with things. Um, so I know anybody listening to this, um, not everybody is going to be like, oh, wow, look at what he said. That's, that's amazing, and that makes me a believer. There's so many things, especially at a place like Pennhurst that has so much history. Um, we have spirits that I have felt that I have, um, in my opinion, witnessed and been a part of who are just exactly like you said, ones who will change and have fun really is the biggest thing. Um, and then other ones who are stuck. Yeah. Stuck. It, in, it's in it's like, way. just kind of go with like, I'm going to be myself. Um, it's like being home and being trapped all at the same time. Right. Um, one big thing I've had uh, the last couple years, I have been a focal point in the tunnels. Um, and in the tunnels, we have uh, a pair of individuals who are younger spirits both boys and the two of them have so much fun um i have felt their presence i've seen their presence i've even heard oh, their yeah. presence um to where they if you knock on a door and talk to them they knock back and if you speak to them they give a noise to show you're there. Um, we have had times with these two who, with customers, I have been hiding in spot to scare a customer, and they got scared a second before me because these two have done their own thing, um, and they love it. They love adjusting to it and having fun with what we do. And then we have others who are caught in the old ways and I have gone down in spots where I'm like, Hey, it's me. You know me, are we okay? And I've legitimately had a brick fall the feet within my head. Well, and I think and, that's the biggest you know, thing is there's this stigma that it has to be one or the other as far as what constitutes uh, an experience you know why are these entities why is this energy there yeah. and, and i think the great thing about penhurst is you do have both sides of the spectrum to compare um you you have this energy that is very much with with our own daughter bringing her there i mean she's gosh she's been going there since she was two weeks old um so she she's grown up there and she's about to be four years old and she has had reactions to things that I've not seen, but her reaction is very valid and 
you know, that, that childlike innocence of experiencing something and having no filter. So you really see both sides of the spectrum. There is no right or wrong answer. You know, there are entities here because they are trapped. There are entities here because they're not ready to leave. There are, are poor souls that had an awful time at Penhurst. There are souls that that was their home. So you have every aspect of the spectrum all in one place, and it's a breeding ground for this dynamic energy. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so you, you're saying that you, like, then you would experience both. And I kind of want to go back a little bit to something that you said there where you said uh, that the spirit is there, but it's stuck. So my distinction was that it's not necessarily the spirit itself, but more like more like a video. Like if you took a video with your phone, it's not really you, but it's it's an it's an energetical representation of something that happened to you, and it repeats itself every time you play it, right? Um, and that's kind of like where I was alluding to with that was like some of the hauntings aren't necessarily directly a spirit, but a memory of an event that left an energetic impression on the space. Right. And I was wondering if you experienced that sort of thing there as well. Um, and then uh, if we can make a distinction between that and these spirits that you say are stuck, like they're just kind of like doing the same thing over and over. Um, but you like, you feel like that it is the individual and not like an, an, an energy source. Right. Uh, one thing definitely for us, especially because we, we've both been there since 2015. Um, so we've experienced an evolution of the dynamic of the property, uh, albeit structural changes, energy changes of people there, areas we were able to access. Um, I, I think that it's very much when when you mention you know the memory versus the stuck feeling. I, I think that it's something that. It, there are different areas that you can definitely feel the difference in energy. Like when you have, you know, you have certain entities that are there, especially with Mayflower Basement and, the, and some of the children down there that are more of a, or uh, any entity down there that's, that's more of a uh, easily accessible will, will, will speak and outgoing. It's more of a, they're not trying to tell a sad story. It's more of a just wanting to be acknowledged, if you will, mm -hmm. um, versus, versus other areas that just feel heavy. So, mm -hmm. you know, I guess a, 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 an entity that might feel more stuck or, or something that's not trying to promote a good memory is going to just have a heavy feeling, in my opinion. Evan might feel differently. We we feel things differently, for sure. Do you have a different opinion, Evan? Can you uh, just repeat exactly what you said to her, so I can have the uh, know exactly what I'm going to say? So we uh, we Heather had briefly mentioned that the actual physical spirit is stuck in a repeated pattern, meaning that the spirit of the person is there, but they're stuck repeating something. Where I had made the distinction that something that repeats itself consistently isn't necessarily the spirit of the person, but an impression of the energy left by a significant event in the space. Um, and I was wondering um, uh, your your thoughts on that. 
Um, me personally, I, I think it, uh, I don't think either is wrong. I do believe both is right. And I, the reason for that, I look at myself just as a person. Um, we are built up of our own physical being as well as an energetical being. And those two things combined. Hmm. Um, I believe with spirits, many of them, it is a similar thing. Um, there are things, there are spirits, there are old souls, there are lost souls that are in an area as well, and they're combining off both of that. It is, it is an energetical spirit for their personality their emotions, their way of interacting, and also a physical experience. Um, if we want to delve into the aftermath of life, um, I believe the physical being starts to die out a little sooner than the emotional being. Um, so which is why I think people have different opinions. You have I mean, that makes that, sense, yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I believe, personally, I believe in uh, reincarnation mm -hmm. on a physical form with a small part of an emotional form and mental form. And that's why I think spirits are so relevant and prevalent because they keep a part of it without keeping all of it ever. Um, Interesting. So that's that's my take on it. I and and one thing I've seen um, with my years at Penhurst, as well as with uh, two years prior to that, I worked at another haunted attraction that was um, deemed a haunted area. You see minor changes in the spirits, and I. I personally believe that's a big part of it. Um, I think after death, you continue to grow to a new form, um, a new life. Okay. All right. Uh, then uh, one one more follow up then uh, on on the subject. Uh, since we're talking about personal experience and, and defining these uh, uh, different aspects of of the nature of a haunting, now you guys have played multiple characters. Uh, while doing the acting portion during the haunting season, uh, yes. for example, Heather has been Nurse Memphis and Hex. Uh, we and anybody who's wondering who Hex that. is, <laughs> and okay, and uh, well, if anybody's wondering who Hex is, um, you can you can see Hex in Sinister Magazine right now. And uh, Heather, you're actually vying for the cover. <laughs> so everybody, go out there and vote for Heather, um, or Thank vote for you. Hex, right? Um, no, it's fantastic. And the, and the, the photos are incredible, but, uh, that shout out aside, have <laughs> you ever, have you ever experienced a point where either of you has changed your character and a spirit that's familiar to you reacted to your presence differently because you were a different character? Absolutely. Um, I will speak on it because mine is going to be much more brief than Evan because, well, I, I, um, Nurse Memphis was a cautious character for me. While she was intense, 
I, I definitely um, uh, felt a need to pay respect to my home, which is Penhurst. Um, Olivia is a character that's a patient character that has kind of evolved over the years. Um, she was my opening character and uh, most recently uh, portrayed her again two years ago and then kind of half last year uh, during COVID. Um, but it, it, it's, it's a respect, it's a history. It's like wanting character development's kind of my thing. So uh, I want to evolve every character around the history of the place, being respectful of the place. Evan is the master of always in character. Um, so I, I, I've got to say, he, he trumps me hardcore with uh, Seymour. Seymour is legendary. I mean, people come back year after year and know Seymour. So I'm going to pass the torch over to him for sure on this one. Seymour was my very first experience of an actor there when I set up to do the filming. Uh, if I If I remember correctly, you tried to bite me. That sounds like me. Legendary. <laughs> Like, have you ever, like, gone into a room as Nurse Memphis and had, um, or, or Seymour, and then had, like, a, a spirit respond a certain way, like, they're used to your presence, they know who you are, and then you show up as another character, and they're like, who are you, and, like, throws a chair at you? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So um, that's definitely a me question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the best um story visualization whatever you want to call it i have it that i so i've been working with penners for about seven years now um and about five years ago i started working with the build crew um helping clean the property build things for uh, the prop, not only for the haunt itself, but also for the property itself. Maintenance is the best way. Um, I did things all over, and there was a day, so there were two of us, myself and another guy, James Leary. I want to say his full name because he is uh, he's an individual who should be known because he has done so much for the Penhurst property. Uh, he, he deserves all the recognition possible. Um, so myself and James Leary were working on the property. He was putting in, in a door uh, for one of our spots, the Rockwell Tunnel. He was putting in a door. And I was on the other side of property. I was in the... Uh, as we spoke earlier, the Mayflower basement, I was cleaning the basement, sweeping, uh, mopping, just kind of everything to, to straighten it up for paranormal activity, 
for the haunt, everything. Um, museum. And uh, the museum. Um, I only had so many work lights to go with me and follow me through the basement. And I hit a point, I got to, uh, again, we spoke on earlier, the chalk room room. I got to the chalk room room, the chalk, sorry. <clears throat> I got to the chalkboard room and my light didn't reach. So I was sweeping in there in pitch black. I decided at one point while sweeping in there to walk up the steps, go outside and call uh, at the time my girlfriend, now wife, about dinner for that night. And we spoke about dinner. And I walked back down and the emergency light in that room was on. Now, the emergency lights are, they're all linked together. Everyone goes off at the same time for an emergency, unless you press the red button on, on them, like right there in that room. Uh, and that way, you can keep the light on, but they won't go on, just that'll go on. And you have to hold it to keep it on. This light stayed on. I came back down. I'm like, okay. I kept sweeping, did my thing. I checked the rest of the building. None of the emergency lights was on. Because um, I wanted to make sure there wasn't an issue. No fire, electricity thing, gas leak, anything like that. I wanted to make sure nothing else was on. It was just that emergency light. So I came back, finished sweeping, cleaned up, walked out, went down the hallway. I turned my head and I said, thank you. And the light shut off. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And it was that, um, if I can say this candidly, that was the moment that I stopped being a skeptical believer. Because prior to that, it was all skeptical. I had a reason for everything. But that moment, I still, to this day, I, 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 <laughs> I just don't know how. So. Puckered the old butthole for you, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, we had an experience with our daughter. Um, the same time span, Evan was working with Build, and Adelia and I sat down there, and she was just walking. I mean, what, like one and a half tops? Yeah. And we walked past Quaker, which is notorious from being a, a more volatile spot, and she stopped right in front of it and said, No. And turned around and walked away. And she and I were walking down the catwalk. Um, Evan and uh, James Leary had actually just worked on clearing two areas uh, in the dietary area uh, of the property. Uh, so basically, you have almost a T formation and you have two uh, 
you know, five to six steps on either side of the structure going down into a little pit that's, uh, you know, a, a garden area, if you will. And Adelia didn't do steps yet or anything like that. And we're walking and all of a sudden she walks away from me and says, okay, and makes a beeline for those steps. She very clearly was interacting because she just didn't, she just didn't know, you know, steps to us. So it's, it's amazing seeing the evolution of the property through our own eyes, but then having our children grow up there. Because I feel like they're way more sensitive than we are, and seeing oh, sure. through their eyes as well. So we've kind of got the best of both worlds with that aspect. Where I, I do, like you said, of uh, as far as being skeptical and not like overzealous with it, we we see a, a child's perspective plus our own. So it's a a melting pot of reality honestly hmm. interesting um jeremy uh do you have anything else to ask about penhurst before we get into the paranormal investigation aspect of the interview no i am dying to get into the the investigation side of it okay well let's start let's start light let's start light uh before uh heather you had previously mentioned uh people having equipment such as uh uh whisper boxes and things like that so what I'd like to do is I'm going to name a, a couple pieces of equipment one at a time. Uh, when I say one, I, I'd like to hear both of your opinions on the effectiveness of that piece of equipment uh, from uh, from the perspective of what you know currently uh, about the paranormal investigation. And I think this is going to be interesting because we're going to down the line when we come back and touch base with you guys for updates on your progress as an investigation team. Um, I, I'm going to ask the same question later and uh, i kind of I'm, I'm interested to see if opinions change or become more in depth so let's let's start uh, you know let's go with uh dowsing rods okay awesome so dowsing rods I, I i feel like especially for a novice group are very effective um it's a very simple energy um that makes if, if people don't know exactly what they do um usually you ask a question and you say, you know, cross for yes, separate for no, and you'll have the rods actually move on their own. So, you know, there's that Sigma, the Ouija board where the, you know, the piece moves on its own. You have the same with the dowel rods. Um, but they're very effective because they are metal and metal is, it, it just definitely has an energy about it. So, we use things that will pick up that energy. And dowel rods are great for a very simplistic yes or no, and they move quickly. I mean, I've seen things that, for example, uh, have a spirit box, and a spirit box will pick up radio transfrequencies, and you may get mixed data, you'll have something else, but with the dowel rods, it's great because you have a very clear yes no you are asking a very specific question and they're they cross or they don't and it's very factual specific there there are there is no questioning either it happens or it doesn't and so especially for novices i feel like it's a great tool to start with and get your interest peaked uh absolutely 
Um, but I feel like they're very effective because sometimes you have those entities that don't want to say too much. They just want you to know they're there. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Evan, how do you feel about them? Um, I'm definitely more on the opposite side of Heather. Um, I love them. I do. Um, <laughs> my my big thing, I look at them and I go, wow, that's a really cool thing. I think it's amazing. Um, the thing to me about those rods are any individual with great finger dexterity can kind of play with them a little bit. <laughs> so... Now, however, on the opposite side, me personally, um, I don't have great finger dexterity. Um, I have uh, some joint issues, and so I can't do it. So when I do see somebody do it, it impresses me. <laughs> um, it's but simplistic. I right. It, I've seen people use them, and. I'm impressed by it with certain stigmas, um, but it's not a hard fact. Right, it's not a hard fact thing. I I have problems with finger dexterity, so I love seeing those happen because I'm like, oh wow, how can anybody do that? Because I can't. But I understand the issues I have. Um. Whereas the rest of it goes, it it's oh, that's all it is. They're just they have great finger dexterity. They can kind of move things a little bit. Um, so those things are tough for me personally. Um, okay. However, what I will say is I have seen them use once or twice. In situations where I have legitimately stopped and gone, oh shit. Like, that's, I don't know how to explain that. Or, um, when you have them literally, I've seen them wrap around somebody else's shoulders without that individual's arms moving, just their wrist moving. And, I can't explain that stuff. Um, and especially because I've been a part of so many things that I've seen that little bit and then have been put into it and have seen the rest of it. You know, uh, gone from gone from the, oh, they're moving this and taking this person to them actually communicating and it's it's wild hmm. well, and, and the other thing too um and i might be jumping ahead of you guys on the apparatus um there's certainly things like this when you have the spirit boxes and uh the geo device specifically when you have a visual to go with a frequency, it, it, it's, it takes it to a whole nother level. Um, 
there have definitely been experiences with Penhurst that, you know, you have the rods, you have the EMF reader. Um, but you don't necessarily have all the equipment, um, like mm -hmm. the geo box specifically. You can not only hear the change in frequency, but you have a visual. It, it's, you know, when you're looking at the, a device that's measuring volume, the up and downs, you, you have a visual with the audio. And it, it's much more impactful, I think. Um, so Ev definitely has a different view of dowel rods than I do. I, I'm, I'm more believable of a, a simplistic approach, whereas Ev needs more hard facts. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we looked at the dowsing rods here, which was a purely metaphysical. If we really look at it, it's a metaphysical tool, uh, in assessing, uh, spirituality and, uh, and, and hauntings. I want to go kind of with a hybrid and you brought it up briefly, but I want to ask you guys about whisper boxes. And this is something that I have strong opinions on myself. I just kind of want to hear how, uh, you guys view it. Okay. So I, I definitely, I, I have, I have a lot of feelings about these boxes. Um, I have, one that I've, I've, gosh, I've used in my own home. Um, I, I feel like you have to, it's so specific on how you have to set them. You have to have an AM FM frequency that is, has a, a very rapid roaming rate. If, if you don't have a rapid roaming rate on them, um, where it's going to refresh constantly, you are just going to get some radio show and hear choice words that are just part of the show and have absolutely nothing to do with the investigation that you're trying to perpetuate, honestly. Um, however, if you have them really sped up to a, roaming, a fast roaming rate, you have a good frequency, you're not utilizing your antenna too much you know if you have your antenna all the way down you have the roaming rate going boom 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 and on a frequency where you're not getting voices from other stations and then ask a question and get a response whole nother ball of wax than if you're got your antenna up and you're clearly getting responses that are pieces of radio shows you guys I'm sure I understand that coming from a podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to have a whisper box out there that you hear tonight on the news at yeah, seven. Exactly. Exactly. The <laughs> biggest thing I can say with uh, those boxes, when uh, having it sped up, if you have uh, at a normal speed and regular shows, you're hearing three or four words from a regular show. Um, which obviously are always going to uh, feed into each other because they're it's they're supposed to. Um, when it's sped up, you hear one word from each each portion, each partition. And 
you're hearing sentences formed from all those things put together as opposed to three, four, five, six words from one, another three or four words from another. You're hearing a word and then boom, a word and then boom, a word and then boom, a word and then 10 seconds of nothing. Um, and the biggest thing, you can go from 10 seconds of nothing to five minutes of nothing with two seconds of a sentence formed together from words of different stations to 50 seconds of words formed together. And it's, there's no telling when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen or why it's going to happen. Well, that's just, I mean, the biggest part of that is knowing, uh, you know, you have a lot of people that just come in there and let the machine go. Yeah. And, and the, the biggest thing is proper use of it. And I mean, we're, trust me, I know we're in an Amazon world where it's very, easy to get all this kind of equipment. And if you don't know and just let it go, let it go, let it go, you're going to pick up all those random things. So it's, I feel like spirit boxes are very valid. If you know how to use them and what you are really looking for. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, that, I mean, that really we're talking here about a metaphysical uh, concept affecting a technological device. And I kind of wanted to ask about a purely technological device, uh, thermal cameras. Okay, so I, I definitely feel like the cameras are a really, really cool way that's honestly more relevant, in my opinion, than uh, the EMF, the temperature, all that. Um, we've seen it firsthand um with honestly we we were doing a promotional shoot for paranormal investigations and you know just putting it out there with the rates were all very simplistic kind of thing and we had one way of going about everything and we had someone that was down actually in the mayflower basement standing there and so we had them on recording, and all of a sudden, the reading of something else digitally came right up right next to that person. And it was a visual confirmation. There was no audio. There was no frequency. It was a legit visual confirmation that was honestly... Probably, I don't know. I think it's one of the coolest things that we've ever experienced. Uh, just having a visual of, oh my gosh, there is something legitimately right there. Um, I, I think the visual component digitally, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's where this world has gone. I think it's a really awesome tool to take all those skeptical 
people and all those things that it's like, oh, did that really happen? Am I imagining that? And actually have a visual. I mean, they, they almost look like stick figures. Um, but you have that confirmation of there is something moving. Like all those things you feel while something might be next to you, you have the visual confirmation that it's happening. It's amazing. It's awesome. And it, I've, I've experienced it once um, down in Mayflower. Um, well, time I've personally experienced it, Ev might have experienced it more. Um, I know they went on that evening to go other places, but it's, it's to get that visual movement is really freaking satisfying. Okay. What about you, Evan? How are you feeling about the uh, old thermal camera? Evan, how do you feel about the thermal camera? Sorry, he's feeding a child. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, did you say thermal camera? Yeah. <clears throat> um, thermal cameras, I am stuck on. I forgot what we with Rudy. They have very amazing qualities that I think are, uh, to say the best way, truthful. Um, but the thermal is, is such a broad range. Um, all it takes is an area getting hotter, warmer, colder, whatever. And it picking up on it or not picking up on it. Um, what I will say is, is I have, with thermal cameras, I have seen legitimate, um, <clears throat> sorry, what I have seen is legitimate pictures and points on a thermal camera of the heat and making out an actual person, which does amaze me. Um, and seeing those things more than once, which I have, amazes me even more. Um, mm. It is crazy, because like I said, there is always the added, ex uh, the added exception of a spot just being colder or a spot just being warmer. War I'm sorry. <clears throat> There's always the added exception of a spot being colder or a spot being warmer. Um, a spot where a draft comes through a little bit or there's more of a concealed area. Um, but I have seen things where it has legitimately shown silhouettes, which to me is the wildest thing. Um, okay. So, yeah, I, it, it's... There's so many things that give me that additional, like, oh, shit, this stuff really is true. Um, and 
to be honest, it, it makes me love it even more. Um, because I walk into a place like Penhurst and I see those things and I get a true connection. And it just makes me happy knowing that they're really there. Um, and that is one of those things that does that uh, to to a, a point. Um, and it's amazing. Oh, cool. Right on. Uh, Jeremy, do you have anything you want to ask? Uh, I do. I'm kind of throw a throw some fuel into this fire here. Um, so there's a lot of skeptics out there. Now, this is the infinite rabbit hole, and we like to view everything from all angles, right? So for those people who are skeptics, saying that there are no such things as spirits or ghosts or uh, any kind of anything walking around that we can't see, what would you have to say to them? Like, what is your best piece of evidence? What would you – you have you have the mic right now to say whatever you want to them. I, I – uh, you you go first all the second. Uh, <laughs> I I would honestly I would have to say so I'm an eternal optimist. So I would have to say being open to different experiences is certainly key. I, I think it's very important before you go into a situation that could potentially be a paranormal situation. Um, uh, Just embrace the history of where you're going. Um, Learn and be open to all angles of possibilities. Uh, You know, look at the facts uh, I, I, and I think that's a big thing. I, I feel like a lot of people displace factual information and just focus so much on folklore that they end up missing out. I, I, I think if you look at history and are open to the possibility of history being not always a good thing and just being open to what is, I think you'll have a way better experience than if you go with whatever's folklore or whatever you're supposed to believe about a certain historical spot. Um, I I feel like you should go into everything with an open mind. And and that's my point of view. I'm, I'm kind of whimsical and I'm, but at the same time, I'm very much a realist. So Give me history and let me learn from it. And if you have something to say to me from a spiritual standpoint, let it happen. So, me personally, I am a skeptical believer. Um, Everything I have come into, I have looked at every angle possible. Uh, no matter what, it, it's just how I am. The one thing I will say to any individual who is uh, like myself or like Heather who may not believe um, 
but wants to delve into it, do it more than once. Um, I have gotten to moments, situations, um, where I didn't really see things the first time, but the second time it did third, fourth, fifth, tenth, twentieth. And the craziest thing is after that second or third time where you really see things, it's there. Um and it's it's <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> It is a true, you you start to develop a relationship with everything that is there. Um, and that, to me, is the best, best thing with it. You won't always have that initial thought going into it. And if you don't just... Just go with it. it and and uh, my wife just said, I don't know if you heard her, it is a variable. It is a constant variable. Um, you have things that, no matter what, everything, you're going to be able to say, there is a reason for it. And that's okay. And I think that's the biggest thing. A lot of people don't understand that having that having that skeptic view is okay. Having that innate second sense is okay. Yeah. Uh, she just said having that innate second sense is okay. Um, you have those feelings. You have those moments. Um... And you just have to kind of roll with them. Um, there's been so many things for me on Penhurst property where I've gone, oh, shit. Like, I really cannot explain this. And it's amazing. And we continue to learn. Continue to dive into it. Continue to hear more history on avenues that we haven't heard before. Um, and so, if that, if there's a piece of advice I could give to any anybody who is looking to delve into the paranormal world, it is just listen. And take those moments and don't take everything uh, perfectly. Don't take everything to heart. Don't take everything and go, this is what I have to do. But listen to everything and take those little points and go, oh, you know what? It makes sense. And follow places, points, whatever, and be open to hearing things. So, 
So where do you guys plan on taking this investigation uh, endeavor to? Anywhere we're at. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it, it, it very much... So our our evolution has... Gosh, it's been so organic. I, I mean, honestly, uh, Chris can attest to this. I mean, we've gone from... Uh, newbie haunt actors in 2015 to uh, management and working in to paranormal investigations, working with our, our sister haunt in Detroit, it's just evolving exponentially. Um, so we, I mean, gosh, we, we have, we have a very awesome view and and we're very humble because we're very grateful of the view that we have of these really not only awesome historic facilities, but we work with this incredible team, not only of artists, but investigators and gosh, I mean, yeah, no, we are, we are humbled to the 10th degree. <laughs> So are you guys willing to travel right now? Oh, absolutely. We, we've we been going from Pennsylvania. We made one trip to Detroit. We're going back to Detroit in August. Um, yeah, we... Yeah, two weeks from now, we'll be back at our sister haunt, uh, Eloise Asylum in Detroit. Um, another historic location, another paranormal hotspot um, that we will be at. Uh, in two weeks, a very, very different spot than Penhurst, but very cool. A lot of stairs, a lot of stairs. <laughs> Is it just owned by the same owners? Uh, uh, one. <clears throat> Let me. Uh... Ownership so, is slightly shared. Here's the thing. I I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um. It is a if we, if we can keep this uh, kind of held until I get all the information. We have three owners at Penhurst, and uh, the Detroit Haunt, as far as I know, has two. Um, one of the owners is he is an owner of he is one of the part owners of Penhurst. And one of the part owners of Eloise in Detroit. However, it is I, I know there are still some uh, things going on that I don't know if I... It has been stated that it's right. a sister haunt. Right. It is a sister haunt. It's actually right. out there in public. Right. So, but there's, there's... I don't want to put it there. It, um, Kara has said it's a sister. I and I apologize if uh, I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit. If you understand what I'm saying, great. If not, uh, I'll re-explain. I got it. Cool, cool. Well, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna save a couple of these questions for next time. We're running up on an hour and thirty minutes <laughs> right now. Sorry, we're long-winded, folks. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. That's fine. It was, it was a great time. CJ, you got anything else for them? Um, 
you know, uh, not really right now. I, I was going to ask about, you know, like how how they all got started. But I feel like that story came out over the course of the several questions we talked about today. Um, And I, I feel like we got some really, really, really decent uh, historical information about a specific location. And then we got some real nice broad strokes. And believe it or not, the, the, the questions about the equipment uh, we'll reveal a lot more uh, later on uh, when we do a, a newer episodes when we follow up with you guys and see how you're progressing. Um, and honestly, I've only got one more thing that I want to ask. And, you know, uh, th- this is a chance to kind of flex a little bit, I guess. But um, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you grade yourselves on on skill when it comes to the paranormal? Uh, identifying the situations and and knowing whether you're seeing something or or just something else that can be completely explained. Like, uh, how, how would you grade yourselves right now at this time? I would say I I say for being one of those people that's innately in tune. I'm very middle of the road. I would have to say that. There are definitely things um, that I've experienced, certainly at Penhurst, um, that are intense, where I am a firm believer, but I do not claim to be the most experienced. I know people that are very in tune, um, and I have learned how to adapt from those people. So I would say that I am definitely a spiritual person and I'm very open and open to learn much more because I feel like I've only scratched the surface. Um, So, uh, and then me, myself, um, hi. (laughs) Wow. Um, I think as far as the paranormal um, connectivity goes, I'd at Penhurst put myself maybe a seven and a half out of ten, eight out of ten. I know how to talk to them, how to communicate, but I understand fully and have seen myself individuals who can communicate better. Better <clears throat> um, On a whole spiritual campaign thing, I put myself at maybe a three. Um, okay. I have been a part of uh, the Spirits of Penhurst. Um, and they know me to this point that I can walk to any building on property and speak to any known spirit on property, and they know who I am. Um, but obviously that does not translate to other paranormal situations. Um, so... But it's from a respect standpoint. Right. It, it, it's, it's a respect standpoint on Penhurst property to where, like I said, 
eight and a half, eight maybe. Like, I, but on any other grounds, I I put myself a three or a four. I I know how to speak to them, but um, the the I'm sorry. Uh, the I'm sorry. I'm. I feel like the. the, the I feel like the attitude of what someone who lives a Pennhurst day-to-day life like we have, and we've been privileged. There aren't a lot of people that are privy to the amount of time that we have spent on a very personal level on that property. And I think that that interaction in and of itself lends to a very organic feeling. Yeah. So... We can say to people, you might feel this, you might feel that, but, I mean, how many of us go on our day-to-day life and there's a place that's close to our heart that we feel some kind of intense resonance with? And for us, that's Penhurst. So we are very much open. And that's the biggest thing. I feel like you just have to be open to an experience. You have to be open to... An experience, you have to be open to a history, albeit, you know, good or or dissatisfying. Like, you have to accept the reality that not all history is sunshine and roses. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Um, All right. Well, uh, Jeremy, unless you have something else. Nope. I'm good. Well, we, uh, we're having a little bit of audio issues, but... While we still have you on, if you guys would like to take some time to either uh, put anything out that you want to put out to our listeners, whether it be uh, ways that they can follow your journey as paranormal investigators, where and how they can uh, go and see the Penhurst Asylum during the the holiday season so that they can uh, walk through and get the, their shit scared. Um, please take as much time as you need. Now is your time. Um, be as quick as possible. Uh, anybody here, follow PennersAsylum.com. We have a Facebook page, website, Instagram, all that. Um, we have a haunted attraction as well as ghost hunts and historical tours. Um, me personally, uh, while I am a part of the, uh, Haunted attraction more than anything. The historical tours are my favorite just because they delve into everything. That is the truth. Um, Heather as well. Um, we have uh, Jim Werner is an individual who is a big part of Penhurst and he knows more than anything. And I'm sorry. Anyone. Jim Werner knows more than anyone. <laughs> about anything for Penner's Asylum. He is an amazing guy who knows all of it. Uh, Kara Lightcap is an individual. You can find her. Um, myself, Evan Whitney, Heather Whitney, um, Chris and Rudy, and Richard Connell are all individuals as well who have so much for uh, the Penhurst property. I, I, 
I like to say property because it, it's everything entailed. Um, I'm going to sit here and also, um, in addition to Pennhurst Asylum, I'm going to put out there, um, pique the interest in also Eloise Asylum. Um, our sister haunt in Detroit, its inaugural season is going to be this year. Um, it is a very historical site, very awesome, um, and we're very happy to be a part of it. Um, I honestly, as someone who is not only an actress, but part of the paranormal group, um, want to promote, again, the history of both establishments, um, Penhurst, Penhurst and Eloise Asylum. Um, I also want to put out there that, um, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, the whole aspect of uh, the clown stuff that we do, Hex and Grins, uh, Sinister Magazine, please vote for Hex, yay. Gotta plug that a little bit because, yeah, I'm derp in real life, but as a clown, I'm cool. <laughs> How long do they have to vote? They have until September 1st, and the, the, the whole premise of this is a contest for uh, Sinister Magazine to be a cover and feature for the Halloween edition. So, of course, the edition that really matters because Halloween. Once again, CJ, thanks for getting us in touch with Heather and Evan. Um, Heather and Evan, thank you for stopping by and and giving us a nice introduction into you guys and what you guys do at Penhurst and Eloise. Eloise, right? Is that what yes, it is? Yes. No. Uh, thank you for having us. Um, big pleasure. Uh, it, it, you guys are great. I have a lot of respect for uh, CJ, as you call him, Chris. A lot of respect for him. And uh, hearing anybody who works with him, uh, thank you. Right on. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I also have a lot of respect for uh, Chris or CJ, as we call them. Um, <laughs> um, while we were talking, I kind of was messing around with uh, Amazon. I found some really good books on Penhurst Asylum that I'm going to go ahead and, and purchase here soon. Um, so next time I will be much more prepared and have a lot of really good questions awesome. for you guys. Nice. Well, we'll always be here. We will always be ready to talk. Um, hopefully, uh, times after this, we are. Uh, less long-winded and more conversational than uh, taking over. So that's all right. Usually, the the first episode in a series of episodes is usually the uh, it's all the introductory stuff. We're getting to know you. So next time we'll get in right into the big juicy meaty stuff, and uh, we'll have a good time. Awesome. All righty. Sounds good. Thank you very much. All right, CJ, you got anything else, bud? No, no, I'm I'm just super happy we got to do this. It was nice to get back in touch with you guys. And, uh, you know, we're definitely going to do this again in the future. For all of you listening to the Infinite Rabbit Hole podcast, thank you for stopping in and lending us your ear. If you guys would like to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at InfiniteRHPod or at facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole. If you would like to become a guest, or if you have a story to share with us, you can email us at infinite rabbit hole at gmail.com. I am Jeremy. I am your host, and CJ is my co-host for the night. One more time, thank you to Heather and Evan for stopping by and giving us an awesome uh, debut introductory episode into their paranormal investigation 
And uh, that's it. That's all I got. See you later down the next time of the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so at infiniterabbithole at gmail.com. Follow us at facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash infinite rh. Follow us on Instagram at infinite underscore rabbit underscore hole. We're always looking for someone that has a story to share. So if you feel like you've experienced a strange encounter with something that you can't explain, reach out to us. Let us know. Come on, have a good time, tell your story. And if for some reason you don't want to show up on a podcast, send us a letter in our email in a format that we can read to the fans, and we'll be more than happy to read it to everybody. Well, that's all for this episode. We'll see you next time down the infinite rabbit hole.